Hello, comic book fans. I am Pete, and I'm here with my adopted father, Brian. The happy Father's Day to you. Thank you for taking me in all those years ago. You've raised me well with Transformers and my love of comic books. I, I don't know. I think it's the other way around here. You're the one that, that fathered me through comic books here. I mean, you're the one that got me back into them in the early 2000s and all that. So That's I, true. I'm that to you. So happy Father's Day to you, adopted father. <laughs> We've got some mutual fathering going on over you're, here today. You're, you're slightly Father's younger than me. <laughs> well happy father's day to everyone uh we are here to discuss our three shows brian and i have kind of had a crazy week to say the least and so we were recording on a sunday and so uh we're covering the boys episode five we're covering ms marvel episode two and we're covering obi-wan episode five and i just totally said that in the reverse order too <laughs> so um I'm hoping that you guys dig at least two of those three shows. It'd be a win if you dug all three of them. We're going to be talking about them in detail today. So, Brian, out of those three shows, which one are you the most excited to talk about? Oh, The Boys. The Boys. Okay. The, yes. the Boys is, the, is, is um, I, I, I want to say The Boys is the best it's been, and it's been yeah. really good. So, um, I, I'm excited to watch that the most every week, I think. And, uh, and it's, it's satisfying me uh, on every level. Yes, like some anal beads. But I don't think that's, that's, would agree. Yes, that's a reference to uh, the show. The thing is, yeah, because I even said like the boys, and then I said Ms. Marvel, and I said Obi-Wan, and I think that that's actually my order of my preference. I think I like the boys, yeah. then Ms. Marvel, then Obi-Wan, the least. I agree. Totally agree. Yeah. So I guess we might as well just go ahead and jump in and talk about the one we like the least. We're going yeah. off of Brian. <laughs> We're going off of Brian's notes today, and he has like one one a one b for obi-wan and i think he has a great point for the very first note which is that this show it's just pushing that su suspension of disbelief too far i can't even say that sentence suspension yes. of disbelief there's far too many leaps in logic in the show so your first example is um when they go to shoot down the door for the path base right yeah, for so yeah, it, it, I like that. Uh, I, one thing I had to give it a positive first. I liked it. Obi Wan's like, I know, I know that what Vader's going to do. He's just going to attack. He's just going to do that. Whatever. That's cool. Right. Like, I, I, I like that they, that they, you know, they know each other so well that they know what they're going to do. Um, mm -hmm. But they stand outside the door of this base and they just start blasting it with these big heavy artillery guns and the stormtrooper blasters, and it does nothing. And then Reva walks up and they start. Her and Obi Wan start talking to the uh, the door, and she says. You're not going to stall me. And that's exactly what they do. And so they're blasting at this door this whole time. And then they talk. And then Reva just opens it with, with the, the lightsaber. Like, why wasn't that the first thing done? Yes, yes. That really did bother me. And here's the thing, right? For a show like this, people are nitpicking the hell out of this show. But you kind of almost have to. And, yeah. like, in the very first sequence that we see Obi-Wan Kenobi in, if you're going in sequential order... There's a scene where him and Qui-Gon take their lightsabers and stick them through a door that's like heavily reinforced, you know? Exactly. And so I'm sitting there just like you, and there's all these stormtroopers shooting guns at a door, but then all of a sudden it's like she takes out her lightsaber and she like slices it like she's cutting open a fucking envelope, you know? Yeah. No, it's like they need something to happen in the plot, and they just went about it in a really like not – like I guess a lazy way. I, I know – it's calling lazy writing is like the thing to do now and it's like a cheap shot but it is like they, they had to they could have thought of something better like maybe they took longer to get to the spot they needed to be or some shit i don't know yes. um but 
that and then you know then then the doors open and i know like the biggest joke in science fiction is the stormtroopers can't hit any the, you know the far side of a barn but like there's like a hundred stormtroopers there's like i don't know 15 15 members of the path or so not one of them gets shot in that opening scene it takes them a good five minutes to hit anybody and right. i think they don't kill anybody yeah the only person that dies is um i got i can't remember tala. Her name. tala tala that's because she blows, blows herself up with the thermal detonator yes yes she does a uh kind of vasquez and uh gorman kind of death oh right, man aliens. you know what there's just so much oh no what not gorman never mind i i for a second i thought you were talking about paul riser i'm like there's a lot of paul riser going around but that's not yes. Paul Reiser. <laughs> between stranger things and the boys yes and we will get to that today too but yeah, yeah just her her death was very much like the boy uh wow it was very much like aliens with vasquez and the grenade yes. um and, and you know we'll talk about her too in a second but just to kind of go along with the idea of stormtroopers and not mowing the people down there's one other nitpicky thing that really bothered me about that sequence too they go to go get on that ship and they need to open up those doors right to to take the ship up and like everyone's just sitting outside of the ship and I, I really do hate to be like the nitpicky middle-aged white guy, but it's like, why isn't everyone on the ship? I get for like dramatic purposes, you got to show people kind of running to a ship. So it's like, oh, this is the last minute. But like, just wouldn't you be on the fucking ship that's going to fly into outer space? Like everyone's just waiting as yeah, if they're like, you know, go ahead. Per perfect example. I, I picked my uncle up from a cruise ship today. He arrived from a cruise ship and there's, you know, a couple thousand people coming off there. They were people on board, uh, like getting off of that ship for like two hours. Yeah. Like it takes a long time to get in, uh, people onto onto the ships and stuff, you know? Right, right. So yeah. Well, so I mean, I didn't even think of. Yeah, well, I mean, and and we could keep nitpicking this particular sequence. I, I want to, especially the Darth Vader part, because I know you have a, a point about that too. But I think that the problem with this, with this type of storytelling that we are now so like our whole youtube channel is pretty much about these kind of shows now it's like you know the marvel shows and the star wars shows right and it's like a new kind of beast maybe from like the last two or three years maybe more but the thing is is that like they they really are trying to stretch out these stories that you could tell within a two-hour movie in the case of obi-wan it was supposed to be a movie they try to stretch it out for six episodes and so you have these things that just kind of feel like filler. It's just like, we need to have this sequence so we can get to this sequence. And there's nothing really exciting about that sequence with the stormtroopers and Reva, because you know that at least someone is going to get away, right? Like, the, 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 like we know that Leia is going to get away, right? Because Leia lives. And then we're assuming that Obi-Wan's going to get away because he's in A New Hope. But... There was the potential that he could have gotten captured and have to face Vader, but otherwise, it's like we know what's going to happen. So you you said before lazy writing, and I kind of feel like it's like they kind of paint themselves into a corner, and that's not a way to be creative. Like when you have to kind of go along with what's established, it doesn't allow someone to be creative with interesting sequences. You just get a lot of sequences where it's like I know what's going to happen next. This is gonna happen, and this is gonna happen, and it's it's just not exciting to me. Th does that make sense? Yeah, totally agree. Um, and again, I think another example here is uh, I, I mentioned. Next thing I mentioned is Leia and and fixing the, the the doors so the ships can leave. 
And, right. you know, I, I totally get that they're pushing that Leia is, is very mature for her age and she's really smart, but I, I don't know about why they thought they could send a 10-year-old to go fix uh, an engineering issue, you know, of this magnitude. I mean, I right. guess they said, oh, this they, they, they might have told her, oh, this breaker is, you know, what's what's wrong. I wouldn't fucking know what to do with that. I'm way older than that. I'm way more experienced. And I mean, I get the idea of it. The idea of that scene was that she was supposed to go in there and find Lola, who was the the reason why they got tracked down. That makes right. total sense. And I, I would absolutely buy that she could see Lola and like, oh, no, something happened with Lola. Or, or she's tinkered with Lola before and knows how to fix her. Or things like that. Um, I would buy that. But it's just like, let's just send a 10-year-old and put all of the, you know, was just all the weight of the situation on her shoulders alone here and, and just hope it works out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, let, let's just deconstruct that sequence for a second. You're right. They're like, just like you said, they're like, Oh, let's just send this little girl to be our fucking tech support in our hidden bunker. Right. But it's like, they could have written something else, which was like, Oh, she has a little tracker on her belt that shows her where Lola is. And they're able to deduce that it's up there. So she's going to go get it. She thinks that's the spot. Exactly. Yes. That right. that would be a much better way to resolve that that's that that need for that scene, right? Uh, and, and just it just didn't do it, <laughs> right? Right. And I, I think that what happens is with these kind of shows, they know that they already have us locked in. They know that we are going to pay for the subscription. We're going to watch the show, and so there isn't this sense of how do we tell this in the most creative way possible? How do we like make this exciting? It's just like how do we make it kind of similar to what you've already seen before? You know, like I, I'm like rewatching um, breaking bad and I'm rewatching young justice. And there's a difference, different kind of sense of those shows where it's like, they're going at their own pace and they're making these creative choices with their scenes. And so it doesn't feel as like forced as this and pun intended. And, and I just got to say that this show is just boring the fuck out of me right now. You know? Yeah, you know, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, people like us being locked in, but for the most part, whenever I talk to people uh, about any of these shows on Disney or other shows, most people don't finish them. Like, I don't think I know anyone that has finished all of the shows that we've watched and covered. I mean, outside of like my wife who watches them with me. Um, like, when I was like, "Oh, have you watched Moon Knight or or Loki or Winter Soldier?" Like, yeah, I watched two or three. I didn't really like it. I didn't finish it off. I'm like, oh wow, okay. I mean, wow. to me, to me, I, I feel, I feel like I'm, uh, I started it. I might as well finish it kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, it's not like, you know, this is a 22 episode season or something right. like that, that stretches out over like an immense amount of time. It's, it's, it's six episodes, whether I like it or not. I mean, there's little bits here and there that keep me interested enough, um, to, to, to keep me going on it. Even if I don't, you know, I wouldn't rave about the show afterwards. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like the thing is, right, is that I think that inherently comic book readers and people that are into sci-fi are completionists. And we always have to have every issue of a run, right? And so my whole thought is if I was to stop watching Moon Knight, even though I didn't dig Moon Knight and I would have enjoyed maybe not watching any more of it, I would have been like, oh, maybe they were going to introduce this, this one thing in the fifth episode and I wouldn't know about it. And I would feel like it's incomplete. Like I need to see every single episode to make sure everything is covered. And that's how I feel about this Obi-Wan show too. But like, I, I don't really think anything interesting has been introduced in this show yet. 
besides maybe the idea of the path, I do think that Reva's turn in this episode was probably the most interesting aspect of it. However, I don't feel like that was super like novel or like like I couldn't. It's not like oh, I didn't see that coming. Like yeah, okay, I mean, it makes sense. Like she yeah. was Jedi, you know. Yeah, it it, it seemed. I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't call that uh, you know twist a, a shock or a surprise at all. We saw that coming for episode one. That so you just saw those little pot ones. That like oh, they're showing this because that's Reva. That like no brainer. Right, um, right. I guess maybe the most interesting thing is is that um, they showed that Anakin actually like stabbed her with the lightsaber. Yeah, and that it kind of shows that she had some of the dark side in her already. I feel like mm-hmm. that the dark side kind of allows you to ignore or, or power through pain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we've seen um, you know Darth Maul get cut in half, and he survived through that. We've seen. Um, what was the other example? Um, uh, the, the the Grand Inquisitor, he got stabbed right through, through his stomach. He came back fine. Um, you know, it, it seems like that seems to be like some kind of ability of, of the dark side of, of to some level that to withstand pain and to come back from it. I suppose. Now, did she say some kind of line like that in her little monologue, or is that like a deduction? So. That I, just I, I'm guessing that because it, it seems like that you know they're like cockroaches; they don't really ever die. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I mean, I mean, just look at Anakin himself, right? He gets his fucking all of his limbs cut off. He's yeah. burned alive, right? Yeah, yeah. So, see, what you just said is like far more interesting than anything else I've seen on this fucking show yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the I, idea I, I, that like an in, an innate dark side ability makes you withstand pain more than a, a normal person. That's super interesting. You know? Yeah. Uh, and I think you know going to that kind of depth on something like that and because they really haven't they just said oh these are bad these are good and we don't really explain why it's just oh it's anger and it's it's will and discipline like they don't explain it that much really and i think that would have been a, an interesting thing to expand upon if, if that even is true yes for me you know there's that great span of time where there's no star wars movies between return of the jedi and uh phantom menace right and that's yep. when i really got into star wars because you know i would read the books and I even read some of the comics from Dark Horse, and they really would explore the Force, and they really would explore the idea of being a Sith and a Jedi, um, and they did that after the prequels too, um, to where like writers who have a lot of experience writing science fiction novels of their own would like take the ideas and run with them, and I feel like at least in these live action shows, we're not really getting that. Maybe in the animated shows there are. I need to watch them some more. But that kind of shit, that's the kind of shit that I eat up. I love that kind of stuff where they explain why their abilities are this way, why the dark side works in a certain way, why the light side works in a certain way. Yeah. And um, I would be much more interested in something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now here's a question, and this isn't part of your notes, but we, you and I have been talking about um, Obi-Wan essentially being like disconnected from the force or making it seem like he's dead because there's no way that Darth Vader is going to just like let him leave. And just, you know, he's just hiding somewhere for 10 years. Like Darth Vader has to think that he's dead. Yeah. So is there going to be some kind of crazy revelation in the next episode? And like, is there enough time to do that? To show um, that like, go ahead. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm very interested because there's only one episode of this show left. So right. where they're cur- currently leaving off is, is that 
you know, Vader left uh, Reva to die there, and 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 the Inquisitor left Reva to die, and she finds the communicator that Obi Wan dropped that gives away Luke's location. So, um, so the, this I'm assuming the Star Destroyer is flown away at this point. It's just her there. I mean, is she going to go crawling back to them? Is she going to go straight to Tatooine and try to to force Obi Wan into a fight instead? Is that is that is have we seen the last of Vader? Um, you know. What what will happen in this? Um, I feel like what you just said there, and Obi Wan finding a way to disconnect or fake his death or something like that, uh, has to be a part of it. And I imagine that, you know, the seeing all those Jedi in the in the amber um, is could play into just, just something. Somehow, him either reconnecting to the Force and then figuring out how to how to subdue it or something. I mean, we we've also mentioned that we think he's going to be able to contact Qui Gon at some point. Maybe in an epilogue, and maybe he tells him how to do or how to do whatever he needs to do. But yeah. I don't know how or or why they could still have Vader and the Inquisitor in this show. You know, in the last episode here, so I'm really curious to see what they're going to do in the episode overall. I've heard the runtime is a little longer than the others, so maybe there's some extra time to wrap up this in a, in a better bow than it could possibly. I can conceive of it possibly being right now. Mm. Okay, well, with that being said, one of the main points of discussion for this show, whenever I watch a YouTube video or see anything on Twitter, is Reva herself. And they talk about, like, there's the issues with the actress and the, her portrayal. There's the, a lot of people, like, on the other side of us, they, they like to be like, oh, they're just forcing this character, this female black character, like, into our faces. And... and you know, there's the critical drinker who he's kind of more on that side and he says these kind of negative things. And he was basically saying that this show is really about Reva versus Obi-Wan. And I, I kind of do feel like there is a little bit of that. I do feel like Obi-Wan in his own show is sort of drowned out by everyone else in the show. Just kind of like T'Challa is in Black Panther, right? And... Yeah. um I think that I've read that they were talking about having like a, a Reva show or like some kind of spinoff with Reva. You were mentioning how is this going to keep going on with her? Like, is she going to go to Tatooine herself? Is she going to crawl back to the Empire? What I could see is if she was in some kind of like speeder or something like that, and she like blows up Obi-Wan in a speeder, but he's able to survive. But Vader thinks that she killed him, and then Vader kills her. I could totally see that being like a little wrapping things up in a bow. Like in his rage, he's like, oh, she killed Obi-Wan. I could see that. But we would have to have an established thing of Obi-Wan learning how to disconnect from the Force before that happens, you know? Yeah, I mean, also, we can't have Vader go to Tatooine because he's too close to Luke. We, we yeah. can't have to find out about that. Yeah, yeah. That's so it, it's 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 interesting. I, I I'm really curious if we've seen the last of Vader here because, and I do want to talk about some of the positives of this episode. I think Vader is a glaring positive here. His yes. general display of the use of the Force in this episode is ridiculous. They've absolutely yes. done him right in like everything post original trilogy, uh, you know, so far. Like they have like I, I've heard the comics are good. I've heard. Um, you know, he, he, he's as a, he does some stuff in, in uh, Jedi Fallen Order, um, this Rogue One, um, him fighting Reva with a lightsaber with just the force was so awesome. Yeah. 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 It, it was just like, 
you know, Darth Vader is often like ranked amongst the like the best villains ever created in science fiction and fiction. And like this just adds to that legacy to me still. Yes. Even though this show is not adding to any legacies. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, I agree with you a thousand percent. Um, I think that like if any of our viewers are ever like interested in comics, please, please do check out the Marvel Darth Vader comics. There's like at least three different runs. There's the Charles Soule. There's the Greg Pak. There's the Kieran Gillen run. Uh, any one of those, if you like the Vader stuff in the show, you will love those comics. They're they're just like superior to this show. But they do have what Brian's talking about, just this like excellent depiction of Vader as this like fucking like alpha unstoppable villain. And yeah, him just holding the blades back with the or the blade back with the force incredible he fucking like breaks her little they have those special inquisitor lightsabers that spin and he like breaks it in half at one point and he gives her a lightsaber back i think to keep fighting right yeah this was almost like this fight almost felt like um morpheus and neo in the first matrix although yes although neo doesn't uh reva doesn't ever come back to the point where neo does but you know right. it, it was just a, a fantastic display overall yes yes okay so then what happens with Vader then if he doesn't go to Tatooine? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if he's going to come back or not. I, I don't know what the reasoning would be, where where it would go. I mean, it sounds like, you know, they. I mean, the last thing they show you is that they zoom in on Luke. Like it, it's got to be, it's got to be on Tatooine. So I, I really don't know what's going to happen here. But I hope, um, I hope it doesn't break any more logic than this episode. <laughs> So, so the assumption is that the path would go to like a whole new other planet or maybe that they would go to Alderaan and maybe like the Inquisitor and the Grand Inquisitor and Vader would go to Alderaan and like intercept them. Um, and maybe you could have some kind of Alderaan battle or something and that's where you think that Obi-Wan gets killed. But then maybe there's almost like a kind of epilogue kind of sequence where you think, okay, they saved Leia People think Obi-Wan's killed, but oh, Reva's on Tatooine. And then we have one last battle between um, Reva and um, Obi-Wan. Okay, so Obi-Wan has to resolve the Empire first, and then then there's going to be a personal battle against Reva at the end around Luke. I'm yeah. assuming he has to die or, I guess, con convert or see the error of her ways at some point. Yeah, I, I keep thinking that, like, obi-wan's death that vader observes it has to be like a ship blowing up or something it's not going to be like a dead body right so yeah uh, like you know he obviously in the um prequels he's flying a starfighter a couple times so like maybe he takes some kind of starfighter on alderaan and like flies up and vader maybe vader's in his tie fighter that'd be kind of cool oh yeah and, um you know like something happens to where you think he dies but he actually doesn't i, I don't know okay yeah so um what else do you got to say about this episode? I, I'm looking at your notes. That's kind of it. I mean, I think I think we kind of touched upon the thing with Tala um, enough. Um, you know, I, I did like her. Um, and, you know, you mentioned how, how it resembled Vasquez and Gorman and Aliens. Um, that, that's kind of about it. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, we saw Kuman Najani. He was there with them, too. Oh, yes. Right. And then... Um, the you know, one thing that people mentioned before was that there was one of the characters from the path. I thought he was Ice Cube's son. Ice Cube has a son that's an actor too, right? And he's in this oh, one. Oh yeah, the, the engineer guy. 
Um, right. It, what's his name? Some of them are. Yeah, yeah. That that guy though, he's that's not Ice Cube's son at all. It's a totally okay. different guy. It's like a guy that does D and D and shit. Um, Ice Cube's son though, just a little thing. He's in this movie called Ingrid Goes West with um, what's her face? The one that was fucking Shadow King in Legion. Oh, uh, Orby Plaza. Yeah, yeah. That movie's so good. If you ever get a chance to see it, I, okay. I bet your wife would actually like it too. My wife and I dug it. Uh, Ingrid yeah. Goes West. Anyway, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Um, but people were talking about how um, within like 30 seconds, he was like, hey, what are you doing going against the Empire? Like, we're not going to do that until like, let's go against the Empire. Like in 30 seconds in the last episode. Do you remember that? I don't think I even noticed that. Maybe I was just rolling my eyes too much of something else. Yeah. 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 I mean... It's like I said in the last episode, I think that like all these path people are essentially going to get folded into the rebels. I mean, because they're always called the rebel alliance. So I think it's just all these different factions coming together. And I think like the path is just one faction of the rebel. Yeah, no, I think this is this is exactly how the rebel alliance starts to me. You know, you know, with Leia here, that 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 group, they need uh, a refuge. I I think that they're going to, you know, um, uh, you know, hide out on Alderaan. And and that's that's where the rebel alliance starts. Yeah. Yeah. And when we get that Cassie and Andor show, we might have kind of like a Marvel kind of post credit scene where like he goes to join, he, he goes to Alderaan and maybe he meets up with some of the people from this show too, you know? Yeah. There we go. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Well, one episode left. Um, you said it's extra long. So I'm looking forward to that. That's on Wednesday, right? Yes. Okay. Sweet, sweet, sweet. All right. So then let's talk about Marvel's other Disney Let's talk about Disney's other show that's on right now, the Marvel show, Ms. Marvel. Um, episode two, what are you thinking so far? Um, I, I still really like the show. Um, I, I've read, I've read that this has far and away like the lowest viewership of any of the um, the, the other Marvel shows. I can kind of see why. <clears throat> um, it's it uh, first of all, you know, the overlap with Obi Wan. This is the first time they've had two shows overlap, uh, unless you count um, What If. I think there was a slight overlap with What If. Yeah. Um, but this, uh, and then also I, I think this is aimed at a, maybe a different audience. I, I mean, this is, this is really a, a newer character that's only been around for, uh, less than 10 years. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely aimed at a younger audience. Uh, the show does kind of feel a little bit more like a traditional Disney show. I think, you know, it is PG, but I still think it's really good. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so I hope more people give it a chance eventually. Um, I, and I, and I get it. It's not, you know, the, the, the typical comic book fan is always depicted as some like, you know, white nerdy older dude like us. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, I get it. it. It's a show about a teen girl. I, I, I totally get it. I mean, when we were talking about what shows we were going to cover over the summer, we're like, Oh, Miss Marvel. And then, and then the boys like, and we even said like, I don't know how I'm going to feel as a 40 year old white guy talking about a, a, a show with a 13 year old, uh, pakistani girl like and but right. you know what here we are and uh, it's i'm really enjoying the show anyway so let's dig in I, yeah, I, i'm yeah. definitely thankful that we're also talking about the boys too because i feel like you know I, I would feel a little weird if we were just talking about that but yeah you know it, it it's it's a really great show uh man iman balani is that how you pronounce her name i believe so yeah she is absolutely fantastic i don't remember if i said this in the, in the last episode but she really does remind me of Haley steinfeld a lot Oh yes, yes, um, yes. I totally, uh, and I, I just really love how um, this, this, the overall style of the show, like the, 
how they integrate her daydreams in the background. They have like the, the text going through the backgrounds and all that. Um, I, I just, it's got a lot of charm. Yeah. Well, that's the funny thing, right? Is that you kind of say it and you almost kind of use like, almost like an excuse of like, well, it's not our typical kind of show because we're these 40 year old white guys. Right. And right. We're, we're, we're masculine and we like certain types of shows and stuff like that. But I feel like when it comes to comic books, there are the types of people that are into them and they're like, oh, well, I got to like the manly type and like Batman needs to be rated R and, and the Punisher is the best and we need a Wolverine that's rated R. And it's, and it's like this big masculine thing. I, I guess to kind of go along with my masculine points, take the points out. Clementine uh, just brought my one of my Father's Day gifts. It's a Robert Pattinson air freshener to oh, hang nice. in my car. Well, Thank you, Clementine. Smell like it, and it smells like heaven. I actually don't know. I think I think I think my wife gave it to me because I actually wanted this Robert Pattinson cologne. Thank you, sweetheart. Oh, nice. But um, anyway, my, my point I'm trying to make is that I think that sometimes, you know, comic book readers and and sci-fi fans and stuff can be kind of closed off to things like this because they're like, oh well, it's got to be tough. But it's like we're already talking about imaginary things that kids like, and we're in our forties. You know, it's like yeah, don't don't shit on someone that doesn't like something i'm not talking about you by the way i'm talking about like the people that complain about this show like yeah. don't shit on people that actually like this because you're not like secure enough in your own masculinity right yeah it, it's like go ahead no, go ahead. no it, it, i always i always just view it like this if it's good regardless of what the subject matter is it's good like I, I have two daughters you know they they watched my little pony i i would catch episodes of my little pony some of it was fucking fantastic, and it's My Little Pony. You know, it's just like, it it, it doesn't have to be like the boys are into this, and, and we so we have to like this. You can like anything as long as it's good. That's that's my two cents. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think if anybody's like shaming the show and you like the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies, not much of a stretch there. There's really no. not. <laughs> no, no, not at all. all. All it is, all it is, is that it's a girl instead of a boy, and that it's a Muslim girl. That's that's yeah. all it is. Otherwise, it's the same shit. She's like testing out her powers and stuff. Yeah, it's very similar to Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, very I good mean, point. If this was if this was a, a there was a Spider Man live action TV show, this is probably what it would feel like. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And and that's the funny thing too is because as I was watching this episode, it didn't feel like any of the other Marvel shows. It didn't feel like oh here's the bad guy and we're gonna build him up on the side. It, it was pretty much almost like a teen like dramedy the whole time except for like two sequences yeah like when she saves the yeah. kid with her powers and then like the very end i think yeah agreed yeah you know she's talking about that she she finds a cute boy at a party and there's all this tension you know and, and they go on yeah. a date and there's the drama with you know the, the best friend sees the sees her hanging out with the, the the boy and all that and that's that's very all very teen girl young adult kind of stuff but it's good <laughs> yeah this shit's good because we've all been through it. We've all like experienced this kind of stuff. We've all been like Kamala where we get like, like, Oh, this person's interested in me. And, and she has this whole sequence that you mentioned the sequence where she's kind of like drawing in her notebook. And it's like, you're seeing her and, and this new guy, I, his name is Kamran, right? Kamran. Yeah. Kamran, you, you know, um, it, it's just super creative. Spider like, dropping down in front of my camera. Oh my God. <laughs> real, real, tiny, real tiny. Oh, okay. Um, but I was going to say that, like, 
I know that feeling, even though it's a teenage girl, it's like, I remember being a teenager. I remember, you know, having a crush on somebody. And, um, the, the dude is like this charismatic dude. He like jumps off a fucking roof onto a pool at one point. Remind me of, um, almost famous. Do you remember that movie? Yep. I'm a golden, golden. God. Right, 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 right. And, and then, um, I, one sequence I really liked with like him and her was, um, when they're in the cafe and her brother shows up and then he like talks and he's got his British accent. And then they're like, wait, aren't you from Pakistan? And he does the accent from Pakistan. I like that a lot too. Yeah. That was good too. Um, yeah. So just to talk about some other stuff about the show too. Um, what I really liked is that they're um, including some uh, real world culture and historical points that I wasn't really aware of. So, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, we've seen, you know, uh, mosques and other uh, films and TV shows and all that, but I, I don't feel like it's ever portrayed in this kind of much of a light, positive light. Um, and I think that's fantastic. And, and you know, they're, they're, they talk about, uh, you know, they're in a history class and they're, they're talking about, um, some people have mentioned the, the Indian partition. And I mean, I, I've heard of that before, but I didn't really know much of what it was about. And it, it's kind of making me curious to go look it up. Uh, you know, I, I think also Nakia mentions in the classroom, it's like, oh, we spent six weeks each on Greece and Rome, but like, like an hour on Byzantine and Persia, like, and that, that's, that's true. Like, I, I remember that from, from school from 30 years ago, <laughs> um, you know, uh, that you really do spend a lot of time on that and not those other, um, the, some of those other cultures. Yes. You, you know, it's, it's very interesting that you say that because like, I mentioned this in our last episode that the comic has a bit more of a serious focus on the Muslim religion and, um, it, it's not as like jokey and kind of carefree as this show is. Um, Kumal Najani, who was just in Obi-Wan and, you know, he's in, in more, um, not Immortals, fucking, um, Eternals. Eternals, right. He's in this movie, uh, called the big sick. And, um, it's kind of fun because it's, it's kind of similar to this where he's playing like a Muslim guy. And there's this one sequence where these people see him in a diner or in a, in a restaurant and him and his cousin are talking about like, 9-11 but as like a joke and it's like oh we're not terrorists we're not terrorists and i think that that's the whole thing i think that like our whole culture whenever we see whenever we say the word mosque it's it's like in in our shows and stuff it's just like mosque equals this is a crime drama this is a cia show and we're talking about terrorism like yeah. i almost never ever see anything where it's like we're muslim people and we're this happy family and there's nothing like that and yeah. so that's why the show is unique just like you said uh, honestly, I didn't even know about uh, what they meant. I'm sorry, it's called the partition. What? The, the Indian, Indian partition. partition. So, yeah, it's like when Pakistan was still a part of India, uh, basically. And you know, when they're talking about the, um, the the history of the family, and then you know, how the father's explaining the story of the mother's family, uh, which I'll, I'll get into more about that in a little bit when I talk about um, where I think Miss Marvel's powers are coming from. But sure. uh, yeah, it's just showing me something I, I haven't seen, and I, I I'm enjoying it. Uh, I mean, it's making me interested in this stuff. I think that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I said that in uh, previous episodes, I said that, like, honestly, the future of comics and stuff, I think, is a more diverse audience and also to include girls, too. Like, and, um, you know, manga just outsells regular comics, like, by so much. Mm -hmm. And my kid is obsessed with manga. And... Like, I think that's where the youth are going now versus going to, like, Marvel and DC. And I think that 
just opening up your possibilities for different cultures. That's the way to go, man. Yeah. Like I know there's a lot of people like there's a fucking like Christian group that was like Christian groups against Ms. Marvel. That was like their Facebook page. And it's like, you know, just get, get a fucking different hobby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like seriously, do something thing? better at your time. Help somebody instead. Like instead yeah. of, you know, just trying to block people from something that's not going to do anything to anybody harmful to anyone. Right. So, so um, you said that you were going to go into like her origins of her powers, right? So what do you got with that? Yes. Um, so one thing we learned here is that her powers are not coming from the bracelet, but there is some kind of, um, there's something is something in the bracelet is triggering her somehow. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I basically have three ideas of uh, where, where they could go with Oregon. So first of all, let's just cover the comics. Ms. Marvel is, uh, Kamala is an inhuman. Um, Black Bolt uh, detonates the, the Terrigan bomb and the, the Terrigan mist cloud just goes around and turns everybody into, well, anyone that has inhuman, latent inhuman DNA in them, they turn into a cocoon and they pop out and they have powers. That was Kamala right. in the comics. In the MCU, um, the inhuman show did not pan out. So there's no way in hell they're going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I think... They're, they're really trying to tie in her powers with her family and her past. Uh, and they're, they're mentioning uh, her grandmother, Aisha, or not mentioning her, I should say, because uh, I don't, her mother won't say her name. Their mother's very protective of mentioning anything about it. The, um, the, the Illuminantes, um, which I really got a, a kick out of. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But they said, you know, your mom doesn't want you knowing about this stuff. Like, it's like well known that, that, she's not supposed to find out about this stuff and that, that uh, the, the grandmother um, did something to, to shame the family that, that okay. is widely known in their community. So yeah. um, it's still possible that it could, she could be an inhuman. I think maybe it's um, maybe just the bracelet is going to take the place of the Terrigan mist. I, mm -hmm. I, I suppose it's some kind of activation thing. Um, yeah. I think that, uh, so we could say that Aisha is either an inhuman or had relations with an inhuman. Okay. And the, the Kamala will be part inhuman. Uh, mm -hmm. And then we could also say that maybe this is a more direct. This is what I was kind of thinking of uh, when I first saw the bracelet. I was thinking like Quasar and there's a better connection to the Kree. So maybe Aisha was either an, uh, a Kree or had relationship with a, a Kree person. Um, okay. Obviously the Kree were, were on Earth. So I totally think this is a possibility. Yeah, um, and then the third. Now this is a bit of more of a stretch. Uh, in the scene with, where uh, the, the little little date with um, Cameron and okay. uh, Kamala, um, they they're talking about movies and Bollywood and films, and uh, Kingo's come up, and uh, Kamala says that uh, her mom has a crush on Kingo Senior, which we know is just Kingo. So I'm like, well, maybe, maybe at some point, you know, the, the, the Eternals, the Eternals are the kind of the new hotness for Marvel that that's they're trying to push now. Uh, mm -hmm. So maybe Aisha uh, met up with Kingo, and and maybe she's related to Kingo or descended of that in some way. Mm -hmm. so those are my three thoughts of where her powers can come from here, because uh, yes. they're obviously gonna gonna um, you know go a different, slightly different path from the comics. Yes. I think that your second theory is probably the most likely one. Yes. Because I think that 
they're going to have to have some kind of thing where Carol Danvers comes to Earth because of some kind of Cree-related thing in uh, the, the Marvels, that Marvels movie. Yeah. Like, having Kamala be of, like, Cree descent, I think that's probably the way they're going to go. And when she put on the band in the first place and you saw all those people, like, in the shadows with the glowing eyes, that just kind of gave me this kind of Cree vibe. It kind of reminded me of, like, the... Um, the uh, supreme intelligence a little bit, like how it's just like this collective of yeah. mind. Although to me, I see purple, and I I more so think Skrull than Creed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm I don't know. It, it could go either way. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting too because like, um, with her origins and and this show. They do say in this the second episode when they're like trying out their powers, which that sequence where she's trying out her powers with Bruno, it's very similar to like Shazam, the movie Shazam, and like yeah, when he's trying out his powers, it's very similar to that. And so she's doing that, she's having this little montage. Bruno does say a thing along the lines of, "You already had these powers, like the band just activated it for you." Yeah, and I think that like it was kind of said maybe even off screen where he didn't like say he see his mouth say it. I think I, I read somewhere that they were talking about changing the purpose of the band to make it an inhuman thing, whereas they maybe were going with that cosmic quasar thing that you were talking about originally. Okay. You know? So, like, the idea that, like, the band itself unleashed Terrigen Mist. I don't know. I personally, I like your second theory the best, and I think that that's what would tie it into the Marvel's movie. Yeah, you know, um, and and to, to be clear, I don't think there's any chance of Brie Larson showing up in this show. No, uh, and I, I think if anything, that's just going to happen in in the movie. Yeah, um, yeah. So the other um, interesting stuff here is, uh, you know, Kamala uses her powers for the first time in in kind of a, a public way. She saves that little boy there. I don't know. I mean, this is always a cliche in all shows and all superhero media, but like. She sees this thing happening. She then goes, gets changed, and then somehow walks up the, bu- the stairs to the building and then slowly goes over there. I, I don't know. That was a little bit of time stretch for me. But oh, so yeah, yeah. Small nitpick. Small nitpick. I'm enjoying this overall, so I, I don't really, it doesn't really bother me that much. Um, so, you, so you're saying that the kid that's hanging on to the curtains that are holding on by like two little hooks, he's there for like 10 minutes as she puts on her costume and walks over to him? Yeah. I couldn't hold on to that for like 10 seconds, let alone 10 minutes. So, right, 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 right. Um, little... Yeah. Like if it was a suit, it was under her costume. I could maybe buy that a little more, but that's a, a bulky cosplay that probably takes her a while to put on. Um, yes, I agree. You know, I don't know. Um, totally fine though. Very, very, very minor little nitpick. The other nitpick I actually should mention too, is that there's a bunch of times in the show where they're, uh, they, they speak in, um, what's the language? They speak in another language. Uh, it's Pakistani or, or Urdu. Urdu, I was going to say, yeah. And I actually had the subtitles on for this because uh, I don't remember why. Maybe they were just on and I left them. Um, but I was really I really was annoyed that they didn't tell me what they were saying. I wanted to know. I mean, uh, it's uh, a, another very small minor nitpick. But, hey, somebody tell me what they were saying. Uh, <laughs> but then uh, the other big – Pakistani uh, viewers that watch, please let us know. Yeah, please. Tell me. Um <laughs> It's uh, oh the the last thing we 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 have to talk more about Kamran and Kamran's mother. Yeah. So she appeared. Kamran's mother appeared to Miss Marvel and kind of uh, like like a vision sequence, much like the 
when we saw those those uh, beings with the purple eyes. Yes. At first, I thought that was going to be the grandmother, but I'm guessing not because uh, uh, unless they're going to say that that's one and the same, which doesn't make sense to me. But mm. um, so Kamran is in the comics is an inhuman and he works for a character called the lineage. lineage. Yeah. Uh, the lineage has a very Magneto-esque plan to eliminate all uh, races that are not his own or their own uh, and to just have the inhumans, you know, inhabit the planet. Um, yeah. being that we're not sure that they're going to go the inhuman route or how deep they're going to get into it here. I'm very curious to see what the, um, the conflict will be here, because it looks like that, uh, Kamran is trying to re recruit Kamala for some reason. And I, I'm just wondering what they're going to be against or what their plan will be. Cause I, I, I can't imagine it's going to be the eradication of, of, um, of everyone except for inhumans. Yeah. I mean, if, I mean, if I had to guess, just based on what you just said, it would probably be that she wants to get access to the um, the band. What they, they, she calls it a bangle, right? On the show? Bangle or, yeah, bangle or band, something with a B. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that probably Kamran's mother wants to get access to that because um, maybe like they can replicate the Terrigen thing and that it, they could make their own Terrigen bomb. That, that would be my guess would be to... Uh like you know just, just to turn other people to activate other people's powers i think that that would be probably my best guess i mean otherwise oh, what would that, they expect okay. that's interesting that would actually solve the how to get around the black bolt igniting the, the terrigan bomb that, yeah wow okay that's <laughs> that's a pretty great idea i don't know i mean i just kind of pulled that one out of my ass but i i just i think like what would they want kamala to do otherwise right because it's not like she has this great ability or she's like this dangerous force herself i think it's more like they want to try to get it to study it to like replicate or something you know okay well yeah that's where the show's going yeah yeah but like um you mentioned damage control too and in your notes you said they were kind of like a red herring so it's like kind of like they seem like they were potential villains but it's really like the uh comrade's mother right yes. yeah totally okay. Agree. Okay. yeah yeah um, yeah, we didn't even mention that whole sequence of damage control where they were like interrogating that girl that's like kind of like uh, Kamala's foil, you know? Yes. And uh, yeah, they, they were they were pretty mean to her and they were talking about like going and just going through all the different mosques and just, you know, busting down on people. And, and that's what kind of made her change her tune. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to respond. I don't know where else to go with that. But yes, that, that is something that happened in the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think you know they it, it is another thing just like in the obi-wan show where they kind of have to hit certain beats and they might stretch things out and i i can't say the damage control stuff is super interesting but i'm sure it's like building up towards something yeah. and um you know maybe you'll get like a handful of characters that get exposed to whatever is in the band oh thank you for bringing my toys back and um maybe you'll have like some kind of super powered battle by the end of the show how many episodes are there all together for this one? I believe it's six also. Okay. And so we've only had two. So we have four more weeks of this show. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm just like you, man. I'm digging it too. So are you ready to pivot and now talk about a show that's very different? Yes. I think it's very far apart. <laughs> yes. Yes. Both take place in New York, uh, but take place in very different worlds, you know? Yes. The world um, of the boys is so very different from the MCU. 
you know, even though it's the same kind of concept. Um, yeah, uh, it's just, you know, there are superheroes and they're just, they're not really about saving anybody. They're just kind of about their own image and making money for the most part with, with rare exception. Right. <laughs> and, and it's all about how depraved, depraved shit. <laughs> exactly. 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 So, um, we're already up to episode five just because Amazon dropped the first three. This episode had a kind of interesting title. I, I really love that one. The first episode's title was called The Only Man in the Sky. That was a great title. Yeah. Um, I, that was, I guess that, was that the one where, that was the first, did, did Homelander, Homelander give his speech in that episode? He did, but he said that particular line to the girl that was going to go commit suicide. Yes. He's like, oh, you're, you're praying to God. He's like, I'm the only man in the sky. I was like, oh, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. This episode's title is called The Last Time to Look on This World of Lies. I'm like, whoa, okay. It's quite a fucking line. Yeah. Um, so um, this episode, there, there's so many different threads going on in this show at this point. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, which aspect of the show is actually the most interesting for you? Like, do you like the stuff with Huey? Do you like the stuff with, um, you know, Soldier Boy who's been introduced? Do you like the stuff with Butcher taking the V? What, what's For you, what's the most exciting part? Uh, it's the whole package. I, I honestly couldn't pick. Um, I, I think the show is, is doing an excellent job of utilizing every character in an interesting way. I, there's no scene or any point where they get to a character. I'm like, ah, I don't give a shit about this. I I care about every character and every plot line, A, B, C, D, and all. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I feel the same way, too. I do think that the show has gotten better with each season, and I think that this season might be the best one so far. Agreed. It, it, it is a, a very scary show to watch. Actually, you know, I watch a lot of our shows when I'm on a treadmill. And I'm just kind of watching, absorbing all this shit because we watch so much stuff. And I found myself actually kind of having anxiety and feeling a little scared watching this show. Because yeah. I was, I was going to tweet this out, but I feel like when you watch uh, The Boys and when you watch uh, Succession, which is another show I'm kind of getting caught up on, it's almost like you're looking into a mirror for the world. And, you know, in like a horror movie, if someone like looks in the mirror and there's like a monster behind them. Yeah. That, that's what the boys is. It's like you're looking at a mirror of the world, and then behind you, it's like, oh, look at this horrible fucking world that we live in. Like, everything is just a superhero metaphor for how fucked up our world is. Yeah, it's it's very, very topical, and it's uh, and of, of this particular time in history. Yes. Like, on the show, because Homelander is this perfect, perfect metaphor. You know, we love Unicron, right? I, I sound like a fucking madman when I say all this shit. There's Unicron right behind you. One person had this great point about Unicron once. They said that Unicron is essentially the Emperor and the Death Star put together. Right? Yep. So Homelander is like all of the fucking scary things about our world. COVID and, you know, the Russian-Ukraine war and, and like global warming. He's all those things and like Trump as a person. You know, yeah. it's, it's just the scariest fucking thing. And, and and with the metaphor of that, it always feels like if you just nudge him, if you sneeze, he's going to just fucking kill everyone. And that's what this whole this show feels like. We're just a sneeze away from the fucking apocalypse. Well, yeah, I mean, he even said it. It's like, you know, uh, Starlight in the, in the last episode, Starlight threatened him with the, the video of the of uh, of Homelander and Maeve abandoning the plane. And right. he's like, you know what? 
I'll just go nuts. I'll just go kill everybody. I'll go with that. I don't care. <laughs> it's just that he he likes being the center of attention and praise just a tiny little bit more than being feared. Yeah. Uh, and it's but it's such a slight little line that he'd be okay with doing it either way. Yeah, yeah. So scary. And Anthony Starr is just fucking killing it as always. Um in this episode, he actually isn't as big a part in this episode as like the other characters and the different storylines. We, we see um, Huey kind of getting caught up in his own lies and stuff with Starlight and the fact that he's taking his V. Huey kind of has to deal with the other members of the boys. Well, basically, M.M. Uh, getting upset with him for taking the uh, compound V, the, the temporary one. And, and M.M. is also mad at Butcher, too. Um, and then also Starlight does get mad at Huey as well. So there's kind of like fallout from them taking the compound V. And then you there, this episode had this really great sequence where Butcher was talking to Huey and then he had a flash and he saw his brother for a second. Did you catch that? Yeah, and that, that's kind of an underlying thread of why uh, in the comics of why Butcher brought in Huey is because he reminded him of his little brother that, that died. I don't yeah. exactly remember how the brother died in the comics. I have to go look that up because they they don't tell you right away. It's it's, it's definitely towards the middle mid end of the of the uh, the series. But yeah. um, I think the uh, you know throughout the comic, there's definitely points where the, the boys themselves are kind of at odds. Um, you know, Butcher definitely has his shady dealings here and there, um, and everybody kind of gets mad at him at some point. But I find it interesting that. Um, Huey is a little bit different in this than the comics. He's he's much more about being a pacifist and not wanting to hurt anybody in the... I mean, I guess he is in the show too, but um, like I could not imagine um, comic Huey wanting to take the V. The V was forced on him in the in the, the comic. And yeah. I, I, I just... If, if he had the choice in the comic, I bet he wouldn't have taken it. Yeah, uh, but here he seems to want it, and he seems to like the rush of power, and that's interesting. Kind of putting him more on like the dark side with with Butcher, I suppose. Um, you know, one of the interesting, one of the really telling and interesting scenes I found in this episode was with um, Butcher and Maeve uh, when she comes to drop off the more of the the, the V twenty four. You see how you know Butcher, how much Butcher talks about how every soup needs to be stopped every single one and yeah, that's gonna yeah. down the line that's gonna come into play yeah, um, absolutely. as this as this show ends um what he means by that uh, i don't want to spoil the comics or anything like that but um re just remember those lines for later on <laughs> okay okay well you know you bring that up and it's it's funny because like you, i just saw that the show got renewed for a fifth season right you, you, you four, think four you said that to me what's that season. Fourth oh fourth season, season. okay yeah, yeah. So I got renewed for a fourth season, and I keep watching the show, and I'm like, how can it go further as a show? Like, it feels like it's going to be the end of the world, like, every fucking episode. It's like, how could it get more intense, you know? Like, it just feels like with Homelander, it's like, you know, we're almost there. They, they end up capturing Maeve and taking her someplace at one point. And then um, another thing to go along with those parallels between the real world and the show you know, I felt like Homelander taking over uh, Vought felt just kind of like Trump taking over the White House and his like cronies kind of 
take over these positions of power where you have like the deep that, are, that he's in charge of like the special crime unit yeah and, and not right. to mention all the executives too it's like agree with me or you're out you know right that's exactly right. what he did to the republican party <laughs> right 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 and, and so when i watched the show I'm like, oh man, this is like the the last season of a TV show. This is when the bad guys finally go so far, and it's like it's gonna end soon because you know it can't go any further. So I'm like, how can they even do a fourth sh- season? But I'm assuming, based on what you said, there's still a lot to mine from the comics that they could do. Um, well, they've they've taken. I mean, I feel like they've taken a lot of the main stories from the comics already. Like I, I think, you know, if uh, how do I, I, I don't want to like spoil the comic too much, but Homeland is around for a, for a good long time, but okay. I feel like they're, they're definitely pushing towards the limits of what they can do with Homelander and, and keeping him around and all that. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what else they can do. Beyond okay. that. You know, they skipped over a whole arc with like the X-Men version of, uh, of, of this universe, uh, which I, I believe we're going to kind of see that in that spinoff show I mentioned. Um, you know, uh, there, there are other volumes of the show, but I, I think they've taken enough out of each of those little things that there's only some smaller side stories that don't feel as big as what they're doing now. Um, you know, the, the overall arc of this entire series is, you know, the boys against the soups, Vought in the middle trying to position the government to um, to get soups in the military. That's like a, a huge point in... Uh, in the comic and i don't know how much more they can stretch out but this show is doing so well that i feel like they might want to stretch it out so let's say let's say that they would have somehow wrap up homelander in this season <clears throat> there's there's to me there is a clear fourth season to have after that but if they don't wrap up homelander i don't know what they're going to do exactly yeah uh, I don't see the, the the pace they're going, the, the stories they've included, the stories they've skipped. I, I I can't see this. I mean, maybe they can get two more seasons before they get to like jump in the shark filler kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but and that that's just my opinion though. Okay, okay. I, I appreciate your ambiguity when you're explaining that because I honestly don't want anything ruined for the show at this point. And I kind of want to read the comics eventually when I have more time too, because I'm just loving this so much. You mentioned at the very beginning of our episode that this is your show that you like the most and everything we're covering. I feel the exact same way. Um, it just is like a step above. It's, it's just funnier. Um, one thing that Miss Marvel and especially Obi-Wan is missing is that sense of tension and, and, and fear and suspense. Like it feels like anyone can die at any point. There's multiple scenes in the episode where it's like, Oh shit! Are they going to kill this character? Oh shit! Are they going to kill this character? And um, th- that's missing from a lot of these shows that we watch. It just kind of feels like okay, you got to get to this story beat, and then we can end the season. But with this show, it's like, what's going to fucking happen next? And um, it, it's it's not just because you know they have the main characters. You feel like maybe they won't kill off, but there's just so many different characters, and there's so many different character arcs that are interesting. Like for instance, A Train, right? A train is like this kind of laughable character on the show, and he's just one of those people that's that sucks up to um, Homelander, but you feel bad for him too. 
you know, he's he can't use his powers because he's gonna have a heart attack. And so he decides to go all, all in and embrace his like African American culture. And that leads him to try to confront this guy. Was his name Blue Hawk? Was his name? Blue Hawk. Yes. Yeah. And and so I knew that when he brought Blue Hawk to that community meeting, I was like, there's no way this show's gonna let that fucking go well. And yeah. it just went so fucking badly. Yeah. Um Atrian's a very interesting character. He's a very interesting arc here. He, he kind of tears between sucking up the Homelander and trying to do the right thing. Um, yeah. And, and uh, they're doing a much better job with this character than in the comics. In the comics, he was just kind of like there as like a side member of uh, of the Seven. Um, he, he's he's present throughout, but he doesn't really – he's just more there to comment on what's going on rather than to actually do anything. Um, yeah. he's got his own in the show. He's got his own motivations and arc, and I think they're doing a fantastic job with him and that character. Yeah. Well, there's you know A Train, and then there's also the Deep, and I feel like where the A Train is a little bit of a joke, but then you do kind of feel for him as well. The Deep is just a joke, basically. Yes. Uh, yeah. the, the Deep is a complete joke, and he's a pawn, and I think um, Chase Crawford plays him fantastically. Um, uh, yeah. You know, he's just completely inept, and he's just you know, in over his head, really. You know, his, his wife's got him wrapped around his finger. Homeland's got him wrapped around his finger, too. Um, you know, it, it, it's great. It, it's He's a joke, and it's it's it, and it's deeper than just a, an Aquaman fish joke. It, it's it's done in a really great way, honestly. He's, yes. He feels, yes. feels like he belongs in the show, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, um, you know, we have the, the seven basically kind of taking over Vought. And we have Huey and Butcher starting to take the V and they go after um, uh, Soldier Boy and they're in Russia. Now, meanwhile, another plot thread is going on where you have Kamiko, who was blasted by Soldier Boy and her powers no longer work. And she's in a hospital for pretty much the duration of this episode. And uh, Frenchie is with her. He's got his own thing going on with uh, Nina, right? Little Nina, yeah. Little Nina. But uh, this this episode had a sequence that I was not expecting. You had a sequence where um, Kamiko starts to sing, and then there's this whole big dance number where she's singing. I'm assuming that that actress is also a singer because they, they've shown her singing twice now. Um, you know what? In the actual number, it looked like she was lip syncing. I think, but um, oh. uh, to, to me, maybe I could be wrong. It, it seemed maybe in the first episode when you get that little um, hint of it, it's not, it might have been her singing. Not sure. Either way, I really enjoyed the sequence. Um, I, I like uh, how they're portraying the relationship between uh, Kimiko and um, Frenchie. And, uh, you know, and, and even those characters, they're, they're just done more justice and they're given more depth in this show than the comics did. They were just like wild animals, in, in a sense, in the comic. Yeah. yeah. Um, MM definitely had his own motivations and character in, in, in the comics, but for them, they're really just there to bolster out the team a little bit and just be vicious animals yes um, and they're just it's, they're just doing it the show's just doing them better yes um every actor i think is perfectly cast and does a fantastic job on the show everyone the boys the, every member of the seven i love mm i think that he is just a phenomenal actor where i don't know what else i've seen him in but in this show he is so good um there's this one sequence in this episode that was like a nightmare scenario where it's like your wife has moved on. There's another man that is like living with your kid and your wife. 
and he's all bought in. And it's and like the, the metaphor there is like he's into soups and bought and the seven. Uh, and it's like, you know, he's into Fox News, essentially. Right. He, he's heavily into Homelander and his right wing Trump esque aesthetic. Right, right, right. And boy, boy, we're going to get a lot of fans after <laughs> talking about Ms. Marvel in this show. But um, like that was such an awesome sequence because he he also learns about Soldier Boy being in America in that sequence, too. But it's just that that's such a real life kind of scenario where it's like your wife has a new man and he's like totally the opposite of you. And he believes something politically totally the opposite real scary stuff and, and he's actually like influencing your kid with it real scary stuff the actor that plays mm just fucking na- knocks it out of the park you know yes i, I totally agree um, um I, was, oh, go ahead. Okay. I was gonna ask you though i thought that the way that it worked was that mm's dad was a lawyer and that he was working on a soup case <laughs> it sounds like suitcase he was working on a soup case and that like he just worked so hard that he gave himself a heart attack but they, they were implying that like soldier boy like messed up his family what what, what happened with his family and soldier boy uh that's something the show is doing um that's not from the comics so that's something uh we, we i don't know yet well but like Pretty in sure. season two there's this part where they go like on a road trip and it's mm talking to starlight and he says that his dad was a lawyer and that his dad like died over a typewriter because he had a heart attack. Do you, do you remember that? Yes. Yes. So I thought that it was like his dad was just trying to get justice and that's how he died. But I think they're implying that like Soldier Boy did something more. To his yeah. Maybe, maybe they're implying that Soldier Boy was the cause of why his dad was doing what he was doing. Okay. And okay. He, and he also lost his dad to that just to to being consumed by that by trying to take them down or whatever okay Uh, but yeah Yeah. it it seemed like there was some there was some accident much like you know the opening scene of the show in the comic where a train runs into uh huey's at the time girlfriend and just explodes her um yeah it it seems like you know his family was was part of a a, like a soup related uh catastrophe yeah because there was something else with like an african-american uh with stormfront where it was like Stormfront came in and just demolished this African-American guy that she suspected was a criminal, but he really wasn't, right? That's what happened last season. And they, they uh, like, uncovered that. Do you remember that? Yeah, well, you watched it a lot more recently than I have. So um, uh, it sounds familiar, but I, I don't remember the details exactly. Yeah, that's that's kind of the, the amazing thing about this show is that it, it just, it covers so much of the topical stuff. like. I mean, this is like a Black Lives Matter thing now that's bringing in, you know, and just this like racism that's been going on for years. You know, it's just so many different things that it's covering. And I I would be remiss, I, I think, unless you had something else you want to bring up about the show, um, we kind of talk about the Crimson Countess scene. Uh, yeah, before we get to that, I just want to quickly, ma- uh, yeah, we can talk about that and wrap this other thing into. I, I want to talk about the legend who is a, ma- a main, a major character in the, in the comics. And I, I didn't think they were going to, Use him. Um, so yeah. in the comics, the the legend is uh, he's literally a a Stanley analog. He's a comic book writer. He writes all the storylines for the actual superheroes for the comics they sell about them. Um, and and in this, he's just more of a former. I, you know, I didn't know how they were going to do it because they don't seem to seem to be comic books in this universe about the characters, uh, or doesn't seem to be a large part of it. Um, 
I didn't know how they were going to do it. It seemed they made him more, uh, more like a like what uh, Elizabeth Shue was and actually is now for uh, for the soups and bought uh, prior, and that he must have helped the the boys out earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just great to see Paul Reiser again. You know, he's in Stranger Things. And he kind of plays another character that is kind of charming and stuff. And in this, um, yeah, he's like almost like a Hollywood producer type. Yes. And I think that's because with the boys, they really lean into the comic book movie, uh, you know, trend or whatever. They're really going all on that. And that's why he's kind of like a movie producer in here. And he's just so, so like skeezy and stuff. He's talking about like, having sex with Marlon Brando while he's having sex with someone else. And yeah. He, he saved yeah. off a bunch of fans, people that he, he's been involved with. And um, this, you know, I think the last episode I mentioned, uh, we, the last episode we recorded, uh, I mentioned I didn't know what the hell they were going to do with Herogasm. I'm 100% positive now that they're gonna, that, that Herogasm is going to be a flashback scene. Okay. It's okay. based on uh, on the legend and how he spoke in this. That, that's the only way I can see them doing it. Okay. I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. Good, good call. <laughs> it's going to be disturbing still, as hell. I mean, it's still going to be disturbing as hell. It has to be because it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of disturbing as hell, we got this great sequence where one of the producers of the show, Seth Rogen, makes a cameo appearance. I believe he was, uh, his user screen name was Circumsalot779. And uh, on the show, he is watching a... Uh, Oh, my little daughter's like right over there. He's watching a—he's uh, having a one-on-one uh, -on -one video interaction with the Crimson Countess. Yes, um, yes. And I, I find it really interesting that um, Seth Rogen really likes to just completely uh, emasculate himself. Um, oh yeah. There was uh, there's another show I watched on Hulu called Future Man. You, you ever watch that? I did not. Okay. Um, I really liked the first season. The second season is okay. The third season wasn't that great. But he 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 was also a producer of that show, and he put he's in the show too, only really in the third season and like the the uh, one of the last one or two episodes of the second season. But okay. he just puts himself in these situations, and is, he's saying these absolutely ridiculous, super embarrassing things. I'm just really curious as to why he keeps doing it. Yeah, yeah, I think because he knows that he's like this pop figure, you know, that he's this big figure, and he he knows that that's gonna get a laugh. Like him saying that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like he really goes the extra mile to embarrassing himself, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, honestly, for, for doing that, like it's 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 disgusting and depraved, and, and but it's funny. Right, right. It's so funny too because like two episodes ago we were talking about Obi Wan, and I thought that Seth Rogen was that little mole creature that drove them right. And I yeah. was like, oh, and we made this joke about like, oh, here comes a cameo to derail the whole episode. I know Seth Rogen, and then he literally is in this episode. He's, you know, jerking <laughs> off or whatever. I, I feel bad for that actress too, um, the one that was in The Walking Dead, who's who's playing yeah, the uh, Lori, Lori Holden, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, she's essentially playing a character that's kind of like this washed-up actress, and it's you know, it's like. Uh, you know, I, I never liked her on the Walking Dead show, even though that's one of the best characters in the comic. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, they they just they just did her a completely different way for the most part. And yeah, yeah Andrea was one of my favorite characters in the Walking Dead comic, like by far. And it was yeah. uh, it was disappointing how they wrote her in that show. And, and, yeah, and so um, you know, she dies in this episode, and we see her just charbroiled by uh, a blast from Soldier Boy. Um, 
And so I was going to ask you one last kind of question. Like, what do you think about Jensen Ackles and Soldier Boy in this? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I like him. Um, I, I sometimes worry. Uh, I think sometimes I, I have I worry that I can't see him as anything other than Dean Winchester. Yeah. Um, I think he did a pretty good job as um, as both the Red Hood and Batman in various animated DC movies. But um, I, I, think, I think when you're seeing the flashbacks of Soldier Boy, I think there's like a little bit of like a and like a bizarro Dean Winchester in there. Yeah, but in the in the scenes he's in um, in the present, he seems totally different, and um, he, he seems like a, a bit more serious, a little bit more um, just less less of a complete douchebag, I suppose. Yeah, uh, and I, I I was really impressed by it, um, and, and I liked it. I, I was surprised to see that you know he he actually had legitimate feelings for uh, the Crimson Countess. And, uh, you know, he, he displayed some real, real raw emotion in that scene. Yeah. Before, before just melting her to nothingness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, he's this interesting character because he seems like a farce when you see him in the, fl the flashback. But then you see what he endured when he was a, a prisoner of the Russians. I mean, they're just like shooting down his mouth and they're like, yeah you know filling him with acid and burning him and stuff yeah, it's it's very very feels very similar to like you know if, wolverine well yeah a little bit of wolverine but you know i was gonna say winter soldier too um, uh, yes like, but if it was captain america instead of bucky <laughs> right right yeah there's the parallel there between those two you know but um it, it, i just wonder is he gonna be like a corrupt kind of character like the seven or is he kind of gonna have this more jaded outlook because clearly he's been betrayed like clearly the crimson countess knew that he was gonna get captured by the russians so it's like what's going on there yeah so there, there's definitely something went on there uh, the crimson countess lets on that she hated him the whole team hated him and that some kind of deal was made to get uh to give him over the russians whether or not vault was involved um overall is, is a is a pretty good question i think and yeah. i think that's really what can drive soldier boy to kind of being on the same side as the boys at least temporarily that he, he doesn't seem to be on board with um with how they're portraying and you know how he sees the homelander and superheroes ever plastered over every he doesn't seem to like any of that or yeah. um, I, but i can't tell if he, he thinks it's wrong or if he thinks that it should be him yeah so i mean there there's definitely this uneasy alliance going on with butcher and soldier boy and um you know huey's seem to be uh choosing the side of Butcher at this time. Um, and I don't know if that uh, that alliance is going to withstand this, this season if uh, or, you know, or go beyond or, or anything like that. Yeah. I You bring up a good point that he, see, he sees this, like, oversaturated soup world. And I think that um, it could be, like you said, where he's like, it should be him that's on the buses, maybe not. It's interesting because in that sequence when he's in Times Square, Cap has a very similar sequence in the uh, post-credit sequence. I said sequence a lot in there. Um, in uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, where he like runs out in Times Square and he's looking around. Um, in this, it was interesting because he sees all these soups and you're thinking he's kind of judging that culture. But then also like he sees like two gay men kind of hugging and embracing and he kind of makes his face like, oh, yeah. you know, so... He, he like has a problem with our modern culture, but it seems like he has a problem with the soup culture too. And I wonder 
I, I want to know why is a problem with the soup culture. It might be like what you said, where it's like he thinks he should be the one there. Uh, it also could be that he doesn't like what they've done. So I'm, yeah. I'm very curious about that. I mean, a lot of the times the, the show is showing you a dark reflection of an existing Marvel or DC hero or some other hero. Um, yeah. I would imagine, I, I think a real easy thing here, I mean, clearly this is Captain America. Um, but, you know, I, I always think that Captain America was, you know, even still today, his character was was born in, in the in the 20s and 30s. And, you know, he fought in, in, uh, in the first world wars. And that, uh, so he's kind of trapped in that moment. And I think, you know, that moment back during that time, you know, racism was like a lot more accepted and you know, much more common. So, um, you know, to think that Captain America isn't racist um, is, is, you know, kind of interesting. Um, and, you know, clearly they don't, they, they don't want him. That he wants to be like a shining, and to be a shining beacon. But the, re, the dark reversal of that would be, a guy who was in that era, who was just a racist shitbag, and he still is. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's the way the show works. And yeah, and he is the dark version of Cap. Absolutely. The, the thing is, it's it's weird because like I feel like he's going to be closer in power to uh, Homelander, which like Captain America is nowhere near close in power as Superman, you know. But uh, we'll see. He has some ability to, he almost, it's almost like it's almost like he's like um, uh, Metallo because he has like a blast that could yes. essentially weaken, yes. right? So he's like he's like he's like a Metallo kind of Captain America versus Superman, and that that's an interesting point, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's like I said, I'm I'm curious to see how long this alliance lasts between Soldier Boy and Butcher, because um, I mean, it, it seems like it most likely won't. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well. It's been fun. We did a nice long one. We keep doing these long episodes, like talking about the boys, I think, in particular. Um, so we are at uh, almost an hour and a half here. Brian and I will be back on Friday to talk about uh, Ms. Marvel, Obi-Wan and the boys. Same same lineup, uh, but we're getting the Obi-Wan finale, episode three of Ms. Marvel, and then episode six of the boys. Is there anything else coming up that I should mention or um no i mean the next next new thing we're gonna cover is probably thor yeah and actually multiverse of madness is coming on uh disney plus like wednesday oh wow that's fast yeah because isn't like spider-man's not out yet right uh well yeah but that's a different that's a different deal because it's not uh it's it's still sony so that's why it wouldn't necessarily be on disney plus um i think it's on something else like it's on like stars or something i think Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah. So we will be back to discuss the same three shows. If you guys have not liked and subscribed, please do. We would always love to have you guys be part of the discussion. Otherwise, happy Father's Day to all you dads, and we will see you on Friday.